Well, I remember Phil mentioned last week, I wasn't here, but I heard on the uh, website and now that I'm listening to his message that we have a, a full platform of men that, uh, uh, that can come up and share and to speak and to teach here from the, for the duties of our Bible hour and uh, 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 not just uh, from a one-man ministry or anything like that. And, and uh, you get what you pay for, I guess, you know, here I am, you know. So, usually I look out and half, most people are gone. Actually, I remember years ago when I first started preaching from the platform and sharing a, uh, in some of uh, uh, some teachings, I remember Mr. and Mrs. Dorman, you know. Oh, no, we came. We came here this morning. We know you were on the list. And I said, well, Faye, what an encouraging thought is this young man from this older couple. You know, and, and I never forgot that. I mean, they just, they, they encouraged me that, no, 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 we saw that you were, you were speaking today, and I, uh, that's why we're here, you know, and I said, ah, oh, thank you. That was very, very kind. And my message uh, today, uh, as you know, is uh, continuing on in the book of Titus, chapter 2, and I'm, I'm involved with uh, the first three verses of chapter 2, 1, 2, and 3, and uh, this is basically older saints. Older men and older women, that uh, uh, that these, this message uh, the, and and these thoughts will go to. But as we think about who's in the audience here, our kids all went to Sunday school uh, into the house next door. So we have older men and older women here, no matter what your age is. Uh, uh, and uh, it's a privilege to be able to share with you a little bit from God's word and. So, uh, like Joe, I want to just briefly ask the Lord's blessing again on our reading of the Scriptures and our time that we share in the next few minutes going over some of these thoughts. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the saints of the past. I thank you for our brother Paul, who wrote letters that were penned and guided by the Holy Spirit to be placed into your word for our benefit today. Thank you for this older dear brother. Thank you for Titus, who receives a letter and instructions that we might be used in our own lives today here in Cincinnati. Thank you for your word. Thank you for one another and how we can pray and uplift. And so we pray a blessing and, and for your guidance as I speak. But, Lord, a blessing upon the hearers and your word that goes forth. Let us... Uh, uh, and enjoy our time together here at this Bible Hour, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll start with reading it, and I've got uh, two versions I'll read of these three verses, since I've got plenty of time to, to share with you. Uh, let's read, uh, I'll read first off from my Bible that says, verse chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, Sound in faith, in love, and perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior. Not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. Amen. That's one version. Let me read another one that I kind of liked. And you, you may have it in your Bible. As for you, Titus, it says in verse 1, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. 
Paul writes these things. He writes to Titus and reminds him why he left them there on this island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea of Crete. He was left there to pastor and to see in chapter 1, look again in chapter 1, verse 5, for this reason, to set in order the things that are lacking in the assemblies that were there in this country of Crete. And he gives him a list of duties for the older and the younger Christians there in the church, fellow believers, Christians. And, 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 and he, on this list, he has responsibilities for them and how they are to participate in the local church families as well as in their own homes. And why? Chapter 1, verse 10. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families. So he starts addressing his letter to the duties of different people in that family that are being upset by some other teaching. And they, that's, that stood out to me. They were upsetting families by what they were teaching. And Paul, in his wisdom from, the, from God above, through the Holy Spirit, guiding in a letter, says, Titus, instruct older men. Instruct older women. Instruct the young men and the young women. What a beautiful letter for us to follow and to receive the instructions from God through Paul and from the letter addressed to Titus here this morning. Paul writes these statements to encourage and to instruct Titus, who is living in the face of deceivers and rebellious men in the assemblies across this country of Crete. I don't know if it was him first who said this, but William MacDonald in his Believer's Bible Commentary says this, that the lives of the false teachers were a libel rather than a Bible. Here in chapter 2, and, on, and as it continues on in our scriptures in chapter 3, the emphasis is on Christian godly living. How to be a part in the assemblies and how to... St- how to be separate from the world in many ways, but how to be living godly in a world that is perverse or has teaching that has been bad. Because whole families, whole families, young and old, were being influenced negatively. Influenced by these empty talkers and deceivers in the church there in this country. Our reading this morning in chapter 2, verse 1, sets Titus apart. He said, Paul sets him apart from the likeness of those guys who are influencing the church negatively. Paul says, chapter 1, the first four verses, but as for you, different than those others that Phil talked about in the verses preceding this message. But as for you, They may teach legalism and have fables to share, but Titus was to teach sound doctrine. 
This has to do, sound doctrine has to do with rightful living. Rightful living. And we can't escape this. The, the Bible is the book that teaches us how to live. I know once I accepted the Lord Jesus as my Savior and my reading through the Bible, it changed the way I live. Because I knew I was a sinner and I was destined to hell. But God came into my life and said, I can know I have an eternal life in glory by accepting what God had sent in His Son, the Lord Jesus, in Himself that went to the cross and died for my sins, that I can be saved and know I have eternal life. Changed my life. I was 19 years old. The Bible is the book that tells us how to live. And Paul simply wants Titus to fulfill, to fulfill, folks, the, the command that Jesus wrote. And we have it in Matthew chapter 28, 19 through 20. And remember, you know those verses. He says, when, when Jesus said to his disciples, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he continued on with the line that says, Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Setting apart in godly living. Paul's instruction is just that for Titus. Teach them. Teach them. It's in sound doctrine. Titus had some older men among the Christians in Crete, yes. And they had to be approached with love and wisdom, I'm sure, from a younger man. They might be easily offended when taught by maybe Titus. But Paul wanted Titus to know that the older men must live with the maturity and wisdom that their years should give, should give them. This means sober, reverent, and temperate lives. The command to teach these things means that they do not, they do not just come automatically. <laughs> we have to learn these things as older men in our maturity as we're growing up. And folks, most of that comes from an example of who we're watching growing up and being in that older position. And what is this teaching of sound doctrine? The word translated doctrine means instruction, especially as it applies to lifestyle applications. But the fact is, every one of us and every situation we encounter in, in, in life is fueled by some kind of doctrine. It is the ground we stand on as we build our lives. It is the hard ground, surface of truth, which we stand on biblical truths of God's Word. That's why I pray and I thank God for Paul, who wrote a letter like this that has been preserved through the history of, our, of thousands of years by the Holy Spirit bringing it home to me. 
as a young man, the Cretan culture was in desperate, desperate need of believers and, uh, and churches that valued right doctrine. The truth. Our culture today, our culture today in the United States of America and Ukraine, as we have prayed for, this, the need is the same. We need, we need right doctrine. We need the right ground to stand on. We need right sound doctrine and to know the truth. And God's word is the truth. Doctrine is taught, believed, and put into practice. The gospel of Christ is put on display in the church, in the body of believers, Christians that are gathered together, or even singly in your homes, in your workplace, in your school. The teaching of sound doctrine was so fundamental to Paul's thinking that he actually included this phrase nine times in the pastoral books of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Sound doctrine. Godly living. Five times here in the book of Titus. Three chapters, little chapters. Sound doctrine mattered back then. It mattered heavily back then. As the church was growing and people were accepting the Lord Jesus Christ from the examples of, uh, from what they were witnessing and, and Christians and how lives were changed and communities were changed and cities were changed because of what Christ Jesus, the Lord Jesus did by going to the cross and forgiving sinners of their sin. Lives were being changed and it matters today. It still matters today. Sound doctrine mattered, not only back then, but today, very strongly. We try our best to reveal God's truth in the Scriptures. And and it's why we, we teach going through books like this, these pastoral books, or the Gospels, or uh, Old Testament or New Testament, the Word of God. That's why we go through these things, to, to, so that we might learn and, and understand and apply in our lives what sound doctrine is in our godly living, in our representation of being Christ-like or a Christian. Sound doctrine tells us who we are, who God is, what it means to be a Christian, what what the gospel is, who Jesus is, why he came, why he died, why he lives again. Sound doctrine tells us that God is sovereign over all. Hmm. He's over time. God is over nature. He's over us. He's over every detail in the universe. Our Creator, God the Father. That means when everything in our world seems to be spinning out of control, with earthquakes and wars, and sicknesses, we can trust that God, like the song says, has the whole world in his hands. Sound doctrine tells us that we exist to bring glory to God, our Creator.
Are you bringing glory to God? Am I bringing glory to God with the choices I make? With the decisions that I I make and I apply to my family? We are to bring glory to God. Hmm. Sound doctrine, as Paul writes, I believe has more to do with living and bringing that glory to God. Not only learning and understanding from the Word of God, but applying it in our lives that we might bring that glory in our, in our behavior. The Living Bible Translation says this in verse 1, As for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. The Bible is a book which teaches us how to live, And God knows the damage to Christian testimony by those who profess great salvation. They say they're a Christian, but have lived a lie. And it was happening in this New Testament church in Crete. False doctrine talking even from the circumcised, the Jews that were living there, as well as the Greeks or the Romans. As we men get older, we sometimes tend to harden our hearts. We, we, we sometimes get cold or hard in our ways. Sometimes it's kind of fun. I, this last weekend in a meeting, I, was, I mentioned Chuck Crawford, and Chuck Crawford used to scare me early on. Well, young man, you know, his deep voice and his, his big body presence. I love Chuck. I love Chuck. And and yet, he wasn't cold and hard. He became born again, and it changed his heart. And he taught many others to walk and live for God. Well, Titus 2 teaches us older men to live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age as to where you're at. With most of us, this isn't always a natural behavior. Like the men of Crete, these things need to be learned. They need to be instructed. And the Word of God, through Paul, tells Titus, you need to teach them. And quite honestly, without the Holy Spirit living within me, these things would be really hard to accomplish by myself. Satan and his form of worldliness. If you can gather in your thoughts what this Satan's worldliness is, tugs at us to conform with the majority of the world on a daily basis. Grace teaches us how to live in this present age. We, we must live soberly or self-controlled, first in regard to ourselves. And we must live righteously in regard to our neighbors and to all the people in the world around us that we communicate with and live by. And thirdly, we must live godly, that is to take God seriously in regard to His holiness and how we reflect His holiness. So really, here we go. I'll get into these three verses a little bit. Verse 2. It focuses on older men. 
In that time and culture, I read that it means that uh, it might have meant that about the age of 40, all right, older men. 40 and older. These men were, were given six traits, as we were given here in the Scripture. Six traits. Let me talk to you first. They were to think clearly. They were to be temperate, which means showing moderation or self-restraint. They were not to be easily angered and certainly not drunk. <laughs> the stereotype of Cretan culture was undisciplined and lazy. Look again at verse 12 of chapter 1. One of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. But these men, but these men, these older men, Titus was called to instruct, were to live differently. Primarily, this means moderate and in the use of wine, but extends to mean careful in all areas of their conduct and their behavior. That was first trait. Now, number two, second trait. They were to be dignified. Dignified or worthy of respect. This term implies a contrast to the disrespectful lifestyle which was mentioned among the believers there in Crete. To be different from what has already been known of the behavior of men in this country. It is also different from the behavior of the circumcision party mentioned in chapter 1, verse 10. These men were to be dignified, but not gloomy, <laughs> not to be holier than thou or gloomy in their behavior or whatever the circumstance is. Thirdly, they were to be self-controlled or sensible which is also a qualification of elders that we have given in uh, chapter 1 all the way through 5 through 9 that we've already looked at. This means that older men were to be particular of their emotions and desires or their expression of them in one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. They were to be balanced and, and discreet. Fourth, older men were to be sound in the faith. Sound in the faith. Just as church leaders were to hold fast to sound doctrine. Like it says in verse 9 of chapter 1. Older men were to affirm biblical teaching and live according to it. Age makes some people callous, bitter sometimes, and cynical. Those who are healthy in faith are thankful, optimistic, and good good company to be around. Older men. Fifth, the older men were to be sound in love. Sound in love. This trait is exemplified most clearly by Paul in his letter to the Corinthians in, in his first letter, chapter 13. They were to be sound in love. It's the Greek term agape, which means love focused on others rather than on oneself. Love is not self-centered. 
It thinks of others and manifests itself in, in giving and emptying yourself for others. Loving. My granddaughter just yesterday showed me a little form. She said, Papa, I'm going to Camp Agape. I said, oh, you're going to go to a camp. And, and she's going to Whitewater Bible Camp too, you know. But she's got another church camp that she's going called Camp Agape. Well, she's all excited about it. I said, what does Agape mean? <laughs> and uh, I don't know. <laughs> but we talked about that a little bit. It was, it was great. She's planning on going to the camp. And, and a, a camp with love focused on them. Christian camp focused on love for one another. Well, and the sixth trait here for the older men were to possess steadfastness. Steadfastness or endurance or perseverance, which is a key theme both in this letter and and remember in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Steadfastness. Older men who were unwavering, unmovable when it is in regard of Bible truth. God's word. These men show patience and they bear up under their trials graciously. Older men are not just to are not just to patiently wait around until they pass on into eternity. I'm glad we don't have that here. Our older men are active and involved and uh Giving, in teaching, and in their lifestyles, and in their choices, and the things that they do. They are not just fading off into glory. They are actively endure the challenges of life. Even the challenges that old age gives our bodies. Most men don't die of old age, Ralph Winters writes. He says they die of retirement. Let me read verse 3 in our Bible. Read it with me. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, uh, teaching what is good. Yet no matter the predominant general rational demographic of the church that we have, our older women, <laughs> older women are always a blessing. I love this chapel because of the older women in this chapel. Back in the late 80s, as I told people that I attend Northern Hills Bible Chapel in Cincinnati. That's up on Galbraith Road. I'm way up in north, but it's down south there on Galbraith Road in Cincinnati. Many times, multiple times, that Christian asked me, is that the church with that little gray-haired old lady? You know who I'm talking about. To your new ones, it was Betty McGeehee. Since I'm gone home to be with the Lord, that's Heather, McGe- Heather McGeehee, Mikeley's mother. Carol's mother. And they had asked me, they knew, they knew Betty. They knew of her influence in Christian movements and in this church. Betty McGee helped build this church. She helped build it with the many ladies 
the lady friends that came to her Bible studies, and they soon brought their husbands. <laughs> they brought their husbands. And many of them, for the first time, came to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior at a good age. And all through the work and the faith that Betty shared in her love for the Lord Jesus. Male leadership and preachers of and the Word of God right here in our studies shows the application and and need for older women to teach younger women in the church. Every church needs older women who will model godliness and teach younger women to follow their example under the authority of the Scriptures. First, faithful older women model godliness and Christ-like humility. They are reverent in their behavior. They walk with God. And out of their relationship with God, they model Christ to the other women in the church. What a position for older women. Older women are not to be malicious or slanderers. Slander is the sharing of speculation or hearsay about someone that, that results in a negative deception. This depiction of another person in a decline in their reputation, perhaps. This can result in broken friendships, divided families, and fractures among local churches. Paul writes Titus to teach and instruct the older women to be good examples different from the culture that they are living in and among. Older women model what it means to guard their mouths by not gossiping, harming the church or people in the church, which is what makes up a church. Our words carry great power. And a wise older woman reminds the younger women of the truth of Proverbs chapter 12. Verse 18, let me read it. It says, There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. An older woman glorifies her Savior and gives grace to those who hear her when she does not let any unwholesome word come from her mouth. But only what builds up as fits the occasion. Let, let me read, and you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. As soon as I start, you'll, it's, it's familiar, it'll jump out at you. Verse 29. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. Ask the males and females. But my reference is for the older women here today, talking about their behavior and instruction and teaching, be an example 
for the younger women in our church or in the church of God as they were instructed. Thank you. Older women are not to be slaves to much wine. It's interesting for me to learn from some commentators that this was a common failure of older women in the day and in that culture. It was just common for women to drink a lot of wine. And I, I, I started chuckling when I read some of these thoughts because it must be because of their husbands. <laughs> My own thoughts, yeah. Yeah, if it was the men in their lives, huh? Oh. Uh, you know, the first instruction are to the older men, be a good example. But women participated perhaps with too much wine in its day, and perhaps sometimes think about how you might participate in too much wine. I don't know. But really, Paul knew of this happening there in Crete. He knew it was happening on this island, this country. Christians today, male and female, have the liberty to drink all the wine they want. But some very innocently can find themselves overdoing it. And we have to be cautious. We have to catch ourselves. No, I don't want to overdrink alcohol. It might change some of my thoughts and behaviors as I'm going about throughout the day. But anyway, we all need to be careful as to how much we do consume and how it affects us. Especially in the family where many eyes, where many eyes from our children are watching. In fact, they should not become enslaved by any food, beverage, or even medicine. When I think of that wine, I say it could be food. It could be the medication you're taking. It could be you know, these things. We are not to be enslaved by these things of the world. Older Christian women are to be self-controlled. Alcohol and or these things are not to enslave them, nor do they, the typical preoccupations of this world should enslave them. They live moderate, commendable lives that older women in their church, other women, younger women, and our children can emulate the example of the older women that uh, Titus was to instruct and to Teach, and then they were in turn to teach the younger women. Paul not only mentioned some negative things here that can affect the testimony of older women, but he, he, he now highlights the fact that their behavior in the family, at home and in the family, um, uh, of the church coming together to teaching what is good. Teaching what is good. A purpose and guiding for all of us as older ones. But in this case, the older women are to be teaching what is good. And Ryan, next week, Ryan will be picking up on these next few verses. And he goes into a lot more detail. Has a little bit to what the, what the women are to teach the younger women to do. Older women are needed to serve all over the local church. Although they're not assigned a public teaching ministry in the church, they are needed to meet with other women in their homes for Bible studies. They are needed to teach other women in public and in private. They are needed to meet one-on-one for, and perhaps in small groups. Oh, 
I thank the Lord for you women who are instructing the younger girls in this assembly, who are being an example of what it is to love their husbands. While God calls men to lead and preach in local churches, it's a joy to see women being used and being an example of teaching and training the younger generations. Like the way Julie and Sarah right now in the house across our parking lot are doing, instructing our children what it is to know the Word of God, what it is to be a Christian, challenging them to know the attributes of God, asking those children of ours, (laughs) do you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? He came to take away your sins. I thank the Lord for women teaching Sunday school kids in our assembly. And Heather in the nursery volunteering to be a part in teaching the children. They lead younger ones in prayer and study on a regular basis. The results are infectious. Others in the church see older Christian women in their ministry and and should be challenged to follow in their paths. And as they follow Christ, I was talking about this subject, and Julie gave me a book by Nancy DeMoss Wogelmuth. She writes in her book, Adorned. Many of you probably have had it. But she writes in the book, and I quote, My heart's desire is to be a Titus II woman consistently, contentedly, beautifully, to be adorned with the gospel and to adorn the gospel in the eyes of others. She's been a wonderful teacher and influence for my wife as she reads and listens to her podcasts. The definition is clear. A Titus woman is an older, mature Christian woman who teaches and encourages younger women. Her ministry is based on Titus 2, 3 through 5. More of that next week. Stay tuned. And she is called by God to make time for this work. She is not called to preach, but to teach. And most of what she has to teach really is by example. Godly older women tutor the the whole church through their example and faithful ministries that we all benefit from. Many times in the past when I first began teaching or preaching here from the podium, I've received favorable, encouraging notes from a number of women, from the likes of Trudy Pratt, Esther Powers, Betty, Jane Thompson. I even got some of those same notes. Encouraged me to continue on growing the faith and you did a good job speaking or whatever she said. And sadly, I started thinking and looking through my files. I got nothing written by an older brother. I, I love the encouragement an older sister brings to us younger men. 
They've been wonderful examples. You have been wonderful examples for me. And I thank the Lord for that. I've been blessed so many times by you faithful women that are a wonderful example of what it is to be a godly Christian woman. And I pray that that example that I see is is seen by our younger women and little girls that are in fellowship with us. In fact, the ladies encourage me to take another Bible hour sometime to, <laughs> to preach on a subject or to share. Oh, what encouraging. Wonderful ladies who share the love of God to the young uh, and really are a blessing to all of our assembling of ourselves together. I thank the Lord for you. Uh, I believe there is a plea from the younger generation in our day, the younger women in our day. I believe this, and I think you will too, that they were saying, we desperately need you, older women, to be an example for the college girls, for the high school girls, the middle school girls, my little granddaughter that needs to know the Lord Jesus as Savior. Have you ever asked one of my kids, do you know the Lord Jesus as Savior? Let me, I sure hope you do. I'm praying for you. You older women are beautiful. If you have that ability, ask the kids. Let them see you walking and serving and loving the Lord Jesus as Savior. As you ladies grow older, don't retire on the world's terms and abandon your work in the local church, just like the guys, (laughs) and complete the course. Completing the course is all the way to the finish line. Proclaiming Jesus' might to another generation of little boys and little girls. I want you to turn to Psalm 71. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 71. And I'm going to read verse 17 and 18 out loud. And as I read, or you can follow along, it says, this is a prayer of for old age. <laughs> My title is over chapter 71. But it says, O God, in verse 17, O God, Thou hast taught me from my youth, and I still declare Thy wondrous deeds. And even when I am old and gray, O God, do not forsake me until I declare Thy strength to this generation, Thy power to all who are to come. For your joy and for our good, we need you older men and you older women. In this family called the church, Paul wrote to Timothy in his first letter, chapter 5, verse, verses 1 and 2, he writes, Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as father, to the younger men as brothers, to the older women as mothers, and to the younger women as sisters in all purity. So for the older ones here today, I thank you for helping me grow and and not leaving me to be an orphan without godly example. 
We all need your wisdom. We need your experience. You have made the long journey. You've watched many fads come and go in the church and out of the church and in this world around us. You rejoice with most of us, and with most of us you've wept and endured many dark nights and beautiful, bright days. Continue, ladies and gentlemen, to lean to lean in and to help us younger ones. Metaphorically, I'm not that younger one anymore. <laughs> but continue. We as older ones need to continue to lean in and to help and to challenge and to be the example that Paul wrote to Titus to instruct and to learn from. Right? As we wait for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in that rapturous moment that's gathered his whole church, his whole family, his whole, his whole bride gathered up to, into glory. You all, you do this all not in your own strength, but in the strength that God supplies. I understand that. So then everything, so that in everything he gets the glory of how we deal with one another. Turn to one last Bible reference. First Peter. Turn to First Peter. Chapter 4. Verse 11. Whoever, whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion and for forever and ever. Amen. That God be the glory. We need we need you older men, you older women. Don't retire from being an example that you are called to be in the fellowship here at our church, as well as in your in your Sphere of living. We do live in a seductive culture which is fighting for our younger generation's hearts and our minds in Titus's time as well as ours. Many false teachers must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families. Well, think about what's going on in our society today. In any generation, Satan and this world love to tear apart the, uh, and redefine the manliness and the womanliness of what it is to be a Christian. And whether by abuse or obsession, uh, so-called sexual liberation, changes in gender identities, or other distortions. So older men and older women don't only model but teach sound doctrine so that the younger men and the women are not deceived by the culture lies of today. Especially as to who God is and who, and who they are as a person. Continue to be an example. Let's close. In fact, uh, I'll just close in prayer. Dear God and Father, thank you for the opportunity to 
and to bear the torch as an older man to help influence younger ones. As an older woman to be an influence, Lord, I pray. I pray that we might honor you with the things we say and do. Help us, help us in this sinful world to bear the torch and to lean in and to come next to others to encourage them to walk as Christians. We thank you for the life that you have given us and the eternal life that is before us. We thank you for one another in the church family, how we can support and live and encourage one another. Help make me a blessing. Thank you for that. So we pray for your blessing as we work our ways home. Keep us safe, I pray. Thank you again for the sweet fellowship we enjoy and have enjoyed for these many years. Thank you, dear God, in Jesus' name. Amen.